how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. I don't like being told that, oh, oh my gosh, you're, you're so lucky. Because I think some of it might be luck or, or whatever. But a lot of it is, yeah, taking those chances. Like I was on the Ellen show. I got that a lot. Oh, you're so lucky to be on the Ellen. I emailed Ellen. <laughs> I, I filmed the video and sent it to Ellen. Like performers tell me that all the time with the halftime shows. Oh, you're so lucky to be doing all these halftime. Well, I put together a basketball-themed act. I spend about 90 hours every season emailing every team in the country, following up with phone calls. Like, I don't know what part of that is luck. I think it's a lot, it's a lot of hard work. On today's episode of the Colin and Samir podcast, we interview Jake and Josh. They have a channel on YouTube that has just about 140,000 subscribers, and they've found a lot of that success in the past nine months. Josh Horton is one of the best jugglers in the world. He's performed on TV shows like Ellen and frequently shows up at halftime shows in major sporting events. Josh also has a background working in social media, which has allowed him to grow rapidly across all the platforms that he shows up on. He met his producing partner, Jake, in a very similar way that Samir and I met each other through cold outreach via email, which has become a common theme as we talk to creators on our podcast. Together, they make up the Jake and Josh brand. It sounds like Drake and Josh, and that is very much intentional. On this episode, we talk about the best way to pursue opportunities, how the two came together, and most importantly, how they found rapid success over the past nine months. They also hold a handful of Guinness World Records, and we get into that on the episode as well. Some of their trick shot videos have upwards of 800,000 views, and much of their success having been due to trick shots goes right in line with our recent video on YouTube. You can check that video out at youtube.com slash Colin and Samir. That's a pretty seamless plug for our YouTube channel. All right. Enjoy our conversation with Jake and Josh. So we're sitting here in Malibu overlooking the ocean, sitting with Jake and Josh. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hey. hey, hey. Um, we're really excited to have you guys on, especially because you're another and channel. Of course, yeah. It's Jake exciting. and Josh, Colin and Samir. We just haven't found another one yet. Yeah, it's just nice to have like a, a you know a good outing with a creative duo. Yeah, yeah you know, love. Are you guys uh, A and D? Or are you guys uh, ampersand people? A and D. Yeah, it's okay. A and D. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. so we're not totally the same. We we went with the ampersand, but it's yeah, all right. we forgive you. So, I, I, my first question to you guys is: How did you land on Jake and Josh, and not Josh and Jake? Uh. It's probably exactly what everyone is thinking, just because it sounds like Drake and Josh um, from the old Nick show. Um, just felt like, hey, there's already some like brand loyalty tied to that, so our names are similar to that, so let's go for it. We thought so. We talked about that earlier today. Yeah, it's exactly what you're thinking, so yeah. yeah. That's a, it. a lot of people ask us that question about Colin and Samir and why it wasn't Samir and Colin. Oh, yeah? Um, there's obviously not a Nick show. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> like, like what show? That sounds like on. that is all at all, but... Um, for us, we just thought it like sounded smoother to say. Yeah, I, like I don't it know, better. but we always make a joke now about like oh, I had my lawyer go against his lawyer. You know, mm. okay, I think I like joke. Jake does not like that joke. Um, wow, joke. Jake yeah, was like, s- "Is that a joke yeah. or was that?" And what I was saying is that's the end of us using that joke. <laughs> <laughs> so this will be the last time I say this joke. Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm sure some people find that funny. Yeah, <laughs> okay, shot fired. That's, that's amazing. So you guys, we're really happy to have you guys in Los Angeles. We're actually going to shoot a video with you guys as well. Um, You guys have had such awesome success on the channel. Um, You guys are about 140,000 subscribers right now. You have videos that have upwards of 800,000 views. Um, You guys have been making a lot of content. So we're going to get into the channel, but let's just start with kind of introducing you guys and talking about some of your backstory. So let's start with Josh. Josh, you have a really interesting backstory. Um, yeah. So do you want to tell everyone about it? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, the, you know, how I was first introduced to you was, you know, you are juggling Josh. Yeah. Um, and I, I watched a ton of your videos beforehand. Um, 
you know, maybe years ago now and was really introduced to you online as, as you know, the social media sensation that, that is Juggling Josh. So can you talk a little bit about some of the origin story behind that? Sure. So my elementary school in Normal, Illinois, had a circus program after school. And so it taught kids there a lot, a lot of skills. And juggling was one that I took to naturally and, and fell in love with. And I was juggling, practicing through uh, the program, which was in eighth grade. And then after that, I was kind of like, all right, this is kind of lame. I'm going to go play basketball. And, you know, I wanted to do normal, normal kid things. And after my freshman year of high school, I moved to California and did the the high school talent show, like dusting off my uh, juggling skills I hadn't used in a while. And someone from the audience sent me a YouTube link to a juggler, and YouTube was a new thing at this point. And so this was kind of where I, I learned to take juggling to the next level because I'd never watched juggling done except for in person. And so like all of a sudden I had this whole library of things, what was possible for juggling, coming back into it and was uh, practicing kind of like I'd never practiced before. So it was upwards of like three, four hours every single day through all of high school, all of college. I was competing in world championships. And um, it was, you know, it was what I, what I loved to do. And after when I was done with college, my plan was to be a professional juggler. But this job kind of fell in my lap uh, working in social media. And so I started working part-time for a social media agency and they were growing really quickly, and so that, that turned into a full-time job. We, we, we were all working remotely, so I could still travel for my shows. So I was still juggling and still like doing a lot of NBA and college halftime shows and corporate events and then working a full-time job at the same time. And as it kind of got into more of a more serious job, I was like managing a team of, uh, at a social media agency, and, and juggling kept falling by the wayside, and so I eventually just like quit and to focus on juggling, but my plan was to be a performer. So keep focusing on the corporate events, the the halftime shows. But I just learned so much about social media. I was like, I guess I'll I'll try to like grow an Instagram following. So that was kind of a side thing. And then it just started taking off and kept getting more and more followers. And, uh, you know, fast forward a couple years and and now social media is definitely my main thing. I still do some performing, um, but I fell in love with, with creating content and, and sharing, sharing my juggling, you know, on a much grander scale. You know, the, the, the NBA college halftime shows are awesome when you're in front of 10,000 people, but with every single video, I'm reaching way more people than that. So, uh, it's been, it's been a crazy journey. So now, you know, looking at it that you guys operate as Jake and Josh, let's move over to your story, Jake, and how you two came together to now have a channel. Yeah, so I was, um, after college, I worked in youth ministry, actually. I was in Kansas City, and that's, uh, so it wasn't until after college I even picked up a camera for the first time. Uh, Bought one super impulsively on Black Friday, hit Target. I was like, yeah, Canon Rebel, sounds great. Sounds like a good deal. Bought it, fell in love with making videos, and just was kind of making them for fun, just because it was a passion of mine for a few years. And then at the tail end of that uh, time with my youth ministry job is when Josh hit me up. Uh, we had legitimately one mutual friend on Facebook, um, which shout out Zuckerberg. That's enough for, you know, him to, for Josh to be able to see uh, some of the videos I was posting and um, just basically hit me up and was just like, hey man, I'm, uh, you know, uh, I do this and this, but I'm trying to grow my YouTube. Uh, what are your thoughts on like coming down to Dallas, moving down here and helping me grow my YouTube? And so uh, kind of weighed a lot of the options I had on the table, um, but the YouTube route, the social media route, seemed like the one with uh, the highest ceiling and the one that was like, well, I'm still young and single, like, why not? You know, like, I don't want this to be something like five, ten years from now where I'm, you know, I'm safe and I'm settled, but I'm always going to wonder, oh, what if I had, like, taken that leap and done that YouTube thing? So, um, yeah, so I took the leap, and now we're here close to a, a year later. So you guys had never met, and Josh, what was it about Jake's video that made you reach out? Yeah, so he was posting a lot of stuff, and, like, it was literally just to entertain his friends. Like, he had not really any goals of, like, going viral or, like, maybe going viral, but not, like, becoming an internet, you know, sensation or influence or anything like that. Uh, And all of his videos were either hilarious or just really well done, like, like, you know, cinematic, perfectly edited videos. And both of those things I, w- I was not very good at. <laughs> and both things are very important to being, I think, successful on the internet. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our videos aren't super cinematic masterpieces, but um, Jake has, you know, helped a lot with the with the editing and, and teaching me a lot there, but also just brought a lot of personality and have, was able to bring me out of my shell a little bit on, our, on the channel. 
Um, and so it really was, it was a perfect balance. And I'm sure as you guys know, like just like having another person on camera makes it so much less awkward. Uh, and, and so just having, having someone else, not only on camera, but also off camera, you know, it's a, YouTubers, like we have, there's a lot that goes into it. And so all the editing and stuff is obviously just immediately cut in half, which is, which has been great. Uh, yeah. I give a lot of credit to people who are able to be a solo YouTuber. Oh yeah. I, I you know, I, my first couple videos in 2012 was just me and a MacBook, and it was incredibly uncomfortable. I tried my best, but it was like so uncomfortable to talk to this camera and when Colin first came, it was still really awkward. It was very uncomfortable. Yeah, it was still uncomfortable. <laughs> but it became like this fun thing that it was. We were bad at it, and it was uncomfortable, and we would break and <laughs> but you laugh had each on other. camera. <laughs> but, but our audience then connected with the fact that we were like laughing and breaking, and it, we weren't good, and it, it just gave us then the confidence that people were actually giving us feedback and watching it. That we were like, oh, okay, this is a thing that could, you know take like take off and then have some legs. So yeah. it's interesting. It's awesome to have someone. I, I wanted to back up. So we're gonna we're gonna go into your guys' channel. There's we asked these guys about some stories and I'm excited to ask you these questions about your first fan interaction. There's all kinds of things that we're gonna ask you um about. But Josh, I wanted to go back and talk about juggling a little bit. And when you were in high school, like you, you talked about competing in, in championships and, and getting to that point. So how did you go from juggling be a hobby to the point where you were able to compete and actually win and, and succeed in tournaments, championships, stuff like that? Yeah, it was, it was that point in high school where I, I mean, one of the biggest things was kind of crazy coincidence. So the lady sent me a YouTube video. And so I found the world juggling federation, which is like one of the two organizations that holds championships for juggling or the two biggest at least. And, I found this guy named Vova Galchenko, who is one of the world's best jugglers. And he's Russian, but lives in Los Angeles and was 15 minutes that way. And so I was in high school and I sent an email to the second best juggler in the world and asking him for lessons. And for some reason he agreed. And so he started training me and um, we're friends now. He's, he's young. He's a young guy. He's just a couple years older than me. Um, so we're friends now, but at that point I was just like so intimidated and, and, that was kind of part of the reason why I, I think I got so good so quickly is that I felt a lot of pressure from him to come back the next day or the next, you know, the next week and have learned everything he taught me. And so, yeah, I just took something that I, I was, was just like a little skill. I would practice once a week at that circus thing to every day, uh, multiple hours. And so just, and, and with the help of YouTube and the training, like I was just, it was all I did. <laughs> So I'm, I'm noticing a little bit of a trend, and it's funny because it's actually a trend on the podcast right now about cold outreach mm. and, and having it in you to – it's kind of a trend I see with, with good entrepreneurs and good creatives that they're able to reach out to someone without any sort of prior relationship and have the confidence to send a cold email. Jack Coyne talked about that with Casey Neistat. And, and just watching the, the Neistat brothers on HBO and being like, I want to be a part of this and just sending an email. Mm. Uh, you, you, know, sure. you just mentioned that about this juggler and you also did that with Jake. Yeah, I talk about that a lot too. I, 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 you know, Jake and I have actually talked about this recently of like the idea of luck or like being lucky. And like, I, I don't like being told that, oh, oh my gosh, you're, you're so lucky because I think some of it might be luck or, or whatever. But a lot of it is, yeah, taking those chances. Like I was... On the Ellen show, I got that a lot. Oh, you're so lucky to be on the Ellen. I emailed Ellen. <laughs> I, I filmed the video and sent it to Ellen. Like, was it lucky that they saw it? Maybe. But, like, I still took the initiative to, to do it. And uh, same with, like, p performers tell me that all the time with the halftime shows. Oh, you're so lucky to be doing all these halftime. Well, I put together a basketball-themed act. I spend about 90 hours every season emailing every team in the country, following up with phone calls. Like, I don't know what part of that is luck. I think it's a lot, it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, that's actually one question specifically I wanted to ask you coming here was, how did you get on to Ellen? Yeah, just email there. Incredible. Because I remember in the early days of us making videos. There's a video on the internet of us trying to get Colin on Ellen. <laughs> yeah, it's, so it's me dancing to a One Direction song for about three minutes. And I was convinced. I was like, this is great Ellen content. This is, she loves dancing. You know, six years later, it didn't work out. But Ellen, if you're out there, I would still do it. <laughs> I do want to acknowledge what you just said about, about luck versus the work that you're putting in. That's like... You know, today, if you want to be on the internet, if you want to be an entertainer on social media, I mean, you have to put so much work into it. And it's easy to look at it from, you know, the surface and be like, oh man, that's so 
lucky and, and easy to do or, you know, how, how is that all happening? But there's so many hours behind the scenes. And I think that's like amazing that I didn't know that about the Ellen show. That was something we had, we had planned to ask you about. They didn't know that about the Ellen show or about the halftime shows. I've seen you done, you've done it with the Lakers and some of the biggest people uh, in the world. You've been on, on late night as well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that like, is, is that, that's all from, from, you know, yeah, like the, 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 the James Corden was yeah. a friend of mine was on the show. I said, hey, I reached out to them. Hey, hey, can you give me the email address of the person that runs that? And they did and reached out and they hired me. So, so yeah, wow. it just it just working those connections and taking the taking the leap. Yeah, I think that is a great lesson as a creative, especially one that's putting videos up on YouTube. There can be a lot of time, a lot of videos and multiple years that go by without a huge response or like ending up on Ellen or getting sort of that payback, right? Like views can be low for a while, but it's really all about repetition, getting better, trying and being ready for when that one opportunity does come. Yeah, totally. So uh, Jake, being on the other side of a cold email or a cold outreach, you, you talked a little bit about it, but what was it, you know, about, about Josh's note specifically? Was there anything in particular that made you think like, okay, yeah, I, I think this is, this is legit. I want to, I want to do this. Um, I mean, it was exciting when you, you know, you get a message from someone, you look them up and they just casually have 250,000 Instagram followers. And right. it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, they just only, yeah, <laughs> not a lot of people with that kind of status are reaching out to me, uh, very often. So, uh, that was definitely, uh, enticing and just, um, seeing just the kind of opportunities that would probably come my way, you know, just the, the anticipation of like, oh, you know, that's really exciting. And like, who knows what come of that? And who knows what YouTube could become when you already have talent or, you know, a brand that's worth something and, you know, on Instagram like that. Um, and so that was initially what caught my eye. And then uh, at the end of the day, it was more kind of like just what I talked about. Just like I weighed everything on the table. Some were like, I mean, things as mundane as like I looked at going to law school. I was like somewhat studying for the LSAT. I had like a sales job on the table. There was like working for like a video company, doing video work for them. Uh, but really it was just like, you know what? There is no guaranteed money in this. Um, but I think it's exactly like kind of where I fit. Like I get to be a little bit in front of the camera and a little bit behind the camera, which were things I was both enjoying at the time anyway. And so when it came down to it, I was like, yeah, let's just go for it. So you've actually, both of you guys have, I guess, in a way, created content or, or I guess, performed for, you know, a good amount of people. I'm, I'm curious, um, you know, Josh has experience standing up and, and doing some pretty high pressure, like juggling is a pretty high pressure performance in front of a lot of people. Yeah, it's a skill that if you mess up, everyone knows. And, right. You know, if you're a musician or a singer, dancer, you might say, oh, I'm a, I messed up, but no one notices. But it's pretty hard to cover up a drop. Yeah. So, I, you know, what I wanted to get into, um, but now I have some follow-up questions for you. <laughs> what I wanted to get into was the difference between live performance and, um, you know, performing on camera. Um, and, and I'm curious, have there ever been any times where you've had a significant mess up in a live performance or anything? I mean, drops happen. And as juggle, like no jugglers go dropless, even the best in the world, like after a certain amount of shows, they'll have a drop. Um, but I... The biggest thing was I had a very painful struggle of learning what goes in a show and what doesn't. And so that, that was a, a lot of learning. And uh, I got quite good at my act. And so that, that's kind of the biggest thing is to have an act and not just go out there. When I, when I was in high school, even early college, I would like, oh, I know probably what tricks I'm going to do and would go out there and just burn and, and have, you know, 14 drops in a five-minute performance. Um, but like last basketball season, I did 38 halftime shows and had two drops. Wow. So like if you count catches, like it's a lot, a lot of catches to, to drop ratio, which, which is good. And it's just gotten to a point where I can do my halftime show cold, like no warm up. Like there was a, you know, one of the shows I did, like I had 102 temperature, super sick, but I just made everything in there so easy for Jordan. me that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, 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 Jordan flu. Um, that it's just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. everything is, is such a high percentage trick at this point. That's really interesting because that's almost like pre-editing. Right, <laughs> like you, you go through the process of actually doing the performances, and then before you go out, you're like editing the performance down to what you think is going to be the most enjoyable for the audience. Yeah, and now making YouTube videos, um, or you know, just transitioning that into making YouTube videos, you're doing a lot of the editing after the fact. Um, so, just if from both of you guys, I'm curious about the process of making a video, um, how you decide what what goes in, how the idea comes about. Like, just take us from from start to finish of ideation to upload. I mean, a lot of the times, like, 
what I find when I give people advice, when people, and I'm sure y'all are the same way, like people are always reaching out for advice and videos and whatnot. And my advice to other people is always like, you know, don't care about the numbers at first. Don't care about who's watching whatever. Just make what you want to make. Like, because I found in my experience, like when I'm passionate about something, like that's when I'll stay up till three or four a.m. editing it, you know, and I'll wake up early to finish it, you know, like when you truly care about something, like you'll work so hard at it. Um, and every now and then, just to be honest, I find that I'm not taking my own advice. Um, but uh, I think it's fun when we're both super excited about an idea um, and just get to figure out, okay. Uh, and then there's a couple checks I'd say we go, once we find an idea that we're really passionate about that fits like our brand and everything, uh, a couple checks we have are like, okay, what's something we can do to keep people watching till the end? You know, um, mm-hmm. what's something, you know, that's going to maximize that retention? Uh, do we have any kind of, uh, is there any types of like call to action that we can figure out in the middle of the video? Anything that gives them a reason to comment throughout the video? Um, recently we've been talking just in the last couple of days about like, could we throw in these little like Easter eggs in a video? Um, that like, Hey, you know, and then at the end of the video, show people what they should have been looking for so that people will go back and look through our video like, all right, we, we have to find like the Superman figuring, you know, like a little Seinfeld thing or something like that. So um, it always starts with the idea. Everyone listening knows that content is king. But from there, it's just like, what else can you like, you know, add to the, add to the plate to make it uh, a little spicier? Um, you have anything to add to that? I mean, the, we've kind of learned to take it reverse as far as like, YouTube goes and starting with the title and thumbnail. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, we, we learned, I think that like clickbait isn't a bad word. I don't, I don't think it has to be a bad word. You know, it can, it can be a bad thing and people, when it, when it's dishonest, but everything in the world is, any marketing is clickbait. So like if you're in a store and the way they have it on a shelf, like that's clickbait. And so we, we, we do use the word clickbait. Like what, why, why will people want to click on our video? And, and it, the two things you have at to start as your title and your thumbnail. So we were trying to think of thumbnails before we film a video or try to think of like the idea of a photo, um, you know, before we think of a, a video concept sometimes, because that's, that's the first step. And if they're not going to click on it, then they're not going to watch it. And so you, you got to get those people in before they can, they can do it. So that's such an important thing that we're kind of forcing ourselves to think through. We obviously want to go straight to the video and the fun part, but we gotta, we gotta try to think of like that thumbnail and title to start. Samir and I talk a lot about how like some of the best YouTube channels have a format that they kind of sink into so that as an audience member, you can look at the title and thumbnail and know kind of exactly what you're getting. And and that's a comfortable thing for a viewer. And we ask people all the time, like, how long did it take you to find your format that you're comfortable with that, you know, works? Because I think, you know, Samir and I are still working through it all the time for our channel. Yeah. Oh, we go back before, before Jake and Josh, when it was just my channel I had zero format. It was like one day would be a trick shot video, one day would be a vlog to a performance, one day would just be like a random juggling video. Like it was just all over the place and I was getting nowhere. Like it, was, it was several years of like sporadic posting. Uh, and then last January, I decided to go with World Record Wednesday. So I, was gonna, I committed to posting once a week and every Wednesday I was going to break or set a world record. And so I think like... We we've you know we talked about this before. Is like having a, having a one sentence summary of something is so beneficial to be able to you know transfer word of mouth. If if, if friends are talking about this new channel they saw, like being able to just say, well, what's it about? Will they break a world record? Everyone say, oh, that sounds great. Uh, it's such an important thing. And so once we found that structure, I I finally started to to find some growth. And then you know Jake and I have now found some other video formats that have been working. Um, but definitely that first step of like saying this is what this channel is was a was a huge stepping stone. Yeah, that's awesome. And you you just brought up clickbait as well a little bit um, before that. And I think the clickbait problem I guess has been solved by YouTube a little bit because of um, you know valuing retention time on a video. So if I click on something and it's not what I was expecting, then I'm going to click off and then that video is not going to be favored by the platform. So I feel like I, I totally agree with you. We've, we've tried to spend more time thinking about titles and thumbnails and most, most of the big YouTube channels that we've, we've interacted with and got time to, to speak with, they all go title thumbnail first, all of them. Um, so I think that's, that's amazing and, and, and really smart of you guys. So Jake, when you came on, you know, where was the channel at when you came on? Um, and what has the growth been like in the past nine months? And, and tell me a little bit about that experience. Funny enough, my very first day on the job, uh, we collabed with Logan Paul. Um, so that was kind of a crazy just uh, 24 hours of like, I legitimately moved from Kansas City, packed everything I owned in my car, drove to Dallas, 
slept for four hours, woke up, flew to LA. It was with Logan Paul a day later. So um, it started off very crazy, but numbers wise, I think we're at, I'm not going to count the Logan Paul. Uh, it's like, you know, I was before that. Um, not that he really drove us a ton of subscribers. Anyway, we were probably 24,000 subscribers when I started back in mid-June. Right now we're closing in on 140. Um, so about 11 months since I joined, probably nine months or so since it's been named Jake and Josh. Um, and it's been pretty steady growth. You know, it's not like, um, we've had any like huge spikes or anything like that, but, um, some, some timely and efficient collabs have been helpful, um, at times getting us to the point right now. Um, and it's been fun. It's just such a, it's just a crazy world. Just like the influencer world, the content creation world, like, I was always the guy kind of in college and whatnot who was like into social media, but I didn't know anything about it. I knew that I liked it. I knew that I saw like a future in it, but I had no idea. And I, I learned so much and we go to these conferences, we go to Playlist Live, we go to, you know, whatever or anything. I'm always, I feel like the most inexperienced, sometimes youngest guy in the room, you know, just like have so much to learn. Um, but at the same time, always just come back to like, you know what, you know, the data is great. The analytics are great, but what do I love doing? I love, you know, making people laugh, making videos, like, don't get too caught up in, you know, the numbers of it or the, the channel tags and of the world. Were you a big YouTube fan prior to being a YouTuber? Not, not anything crazy. I mean, there were a couple people that I subscribed to and, you know, I enjoyed, um, kind of right when I picked up a camera was right when Casey Neistat kind of came on the scene. So that was cool. I would watch him. Uh, I used to watch Devin Supertramp back in the day. So I had like a few people, but I wouldn't call myself like a big YouTube guy or anything. Got it. Cool. And what was the experience like for you working with Logan Paul? I know, I know Josh, I think we saw you multiple times on his channel, right? Recently, two times. Yeah, we've been twice. Once was yeah my very first day back in June. Um, and that was super quick. We met up with him on set. Um, he had a 20 minute lunch break and spent all of it with us, which is kind of crazy and, and cool to see, you know, how much uh, time he spent. And that was another example, like what Josh and you guys have already talked about is Josh sent him a cold email, you know, it was like info at loganpaul.com or something. And he responded and said, yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that can be taken away from just that. Mm-hmm. And I know we both came away feeling surprisingly like motivated and kind of inspired by like being with him and seeing how he works. Uh, and then we collaborated with him again in late August of 2017. And that was more, we spent close to, a, you know, I'd say a full day with him of being in his apartment, kind of seeing how he works um, spending time with his assistant and his dog. Um, can't forget the dog. Um, and that was really cool too, just to see like, dang, this dude, like you don't get to the top just by chance. You know, you don't like, I had this impression. I feel like that these vine stars, like how they're kind of set for life now, you know, they made it big on vine. They can take their audience wherever they want to go. Um, but you know, controversy aside, he is very, very smart, uh, knows what he's doing. Um, very hardworking, um, those are some of the main takeaways from those collabs. It's just like, dang, like there's a reason he's at the top of what he's doing. Like he's very intelligent and works crazy hard. And you guys have collaborated with a lot of interesting people. You guys have collaborated with, with Brody Smith. Um, you guys have collaborated with that's amazing. Um, and I think your top video is with a five-year-old. Oh yeah. <laughs> so tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, there's family that just blew up from the water bottle trend. So they, they, they posted with, with, I think less than 3,000 subscribers posted a water bottle flip video, which is very good. I still think it's one of the, like, as far as skill-wise, one of the best videos out there, or at least their their channel has the best, like, three or four videos. Um, and overnight just blew up. And, like, I, I, I don't want to quote it right now, but I think it's at, like, 40 million views or something, like the first one, like, millions and millions of views. So all, in a matter of weeks, they went from nothing to, like, 300,000 subscribers, this little family. Um, and all of those kids are just so freaking good at everything. Like everything, like bottle flips. They learned dice stacking like it was nothing. We were like shooting baskets. They could just drain three-pointers like it was no problem. Like all these kids are amazing, including this five-year-old, uh, Colin, who uh, is just good at, yeah, well, good at everything. You know, great name. Yeah. So. Um, and that video, our, you know, it's our most viewed video on our channel, but then like that little clip in the middle of him doing the, the dice stack blew up on uh, Instagram, probably like 40 million views total, like across a bunch of different channels on, on, and it was like front page of some of those like, like Imgur and then those kind of things too. So that was a crazy one. It's interesting. You mentioned the dice stacking and the water bottle challenge. One of the things about trick shots that Samir and I were talking about is the fact that some of them you watch and you can try them at home, right? So it's such an accessible thing when you watch a trick shot, you feel like, Oh, I could do that. But hearing about families like this, I think there are just some people who are naturally just way better at these things. Like I remember like being on the playground as a kid 
there are some people who could just always do this type of yeah, stuff. We faked nothing in that video. Jake went up head to head three rounds with this uh, this five year old, and he just, you know, Jake Jake did not come out victorious. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I want to move to another topic that you had told us about was a fan interaction. So, you know, coming into this world of, of putting yourself on the internet and having things like that happen to that family where like overnight you can get 300,000 subscribers. It's a crazy thing that all of a sudden people now are watching you on a regular basis and, and can feel like they kind of know you. So I'd love to hear about this fan interaction that you had. Uh, so my first time ever getting recognized, not that it happens very often at all, um, but when it does, I'm always more excited than the person is. I just think it's so crazy <laughs> to get recognized. And they're always like questioning whether I'm the right person. Like, are yeah. you Jake? And I'm like, no freaking way. Yes, I am. Like, I'm always so excited. But my first time ever getting recognized was in a Fazoli's in Indiana. And it was a, it was a kid telling me that he no longer subscribed to my channel. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> which is pretty dope. I gave him a fist bump and I was like, dude, that's awesome. I appreciate the honesty. Uh, but our, our best story uh, happened probably a month or so ago in Cleveland. I'll let Josh kind of tell it because he was... Uh, he was in the thick of it. Yeah, so we were with Rick Smith Jr., the card thrower that did the video, Dude Perfect, and we were at a corporate event with like 80 people in the room or something, and so they kind of talked me into doing a short juggling set at the corporate event, so I juggled, and they introduced us as Jake and Josh, and so it was nice, and as we were leaving, um, this guy came up to us like, hey, like, so excited to meet you, like, you, you guys are just awesome, um, can, we, can we get a picture? Like, yeah, man, totally, I got a picture, I can't believe, like, of 80 people, like, this it guy, like a, it's like a company of like engineers or something. Like not exactly our target market. Like mm-hmm. this, you know, this engineer is like, yeah, I love you guys. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So we took the picture and then as we're kind of, uh, you know, getting ready to leave and I was like, so like, how, how'd you find us? And he was like, oh, well, I mean, you guys were on Nickelodeon for like, like 10 years or something. And we're just like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just thinking of, like that poor guy like got home that night and like tried to show someone like I ran into Drake and Josh tonight and then he's like looking at his phone just like who the crap did I take a picture <laughs> with? Like who are these guys? Yeah. Like what, what have I done? Similar story. Samir and I get recognized from time to time and same type of thing. We're always kind of like a little bit startled. But the one thing that does happen all of the time is that people think Samir is Every Indian actor. Every Indian actor, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, no, wait, is he saying sorry? This yeah, is crazy. Literally, um, Colin, Colin was with me a couple weeks ago. We were making a video in downtown, and one guy just comes up, and he was like, oh, my God, bro, oh, my God, I can't believe it. It's Hassan Minaj, like, oh, my God. And he was like, it, we took a picture. Of course you took a picture, because yeah. Samir just goes with it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he just goes, oh, thanks, man, really appreciate it. Like, working real hard. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I've never, I always play along. Oh, Every course. time I'm like, yeah, man, hey, what's <laughs> up? Let's take a picture. When y'all do a live vlog podcast, yeah, I want one good. of those captured so much. That would actually be amazing, but also pretty easy to do. <laughs> it happens all the time. That's yeah. incredible. That's so funny. And is it, you think it's because you're like, you have a camera on you and it just kind of like something in their brain connects Probably. it. Probably. Like, oh, movie, movie star. That's yeah. what they shoot movies on. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. This is a movie yeah. right There's now. also just a lot more Indians in entertainment right now. I mean, and hus- being in Los Angeles has yeah. something to do with it, too. Yeah. So, well, congrats, man. Thanks, On, man. on all you've yeah. done. Uh, uh, all yeah, success. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's very exciting. Wait, wait, what podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> For you guys, based on the, um, you know, you guys have, over, over the last nine months, you guys have amassed a following um, from 24,000 all the way to 140,000. It's moving really fast. I, how how do you guys kind of look at your videos now and what, what do you think, I mean, do you guys feel like you've found kind of a formula for something that's successful from viewership to engagement to retention to uh, growing from a subscriber perspective? Like, do you think you found that format? I would say a, a little bit. Uh, it goes back and forth for me or for both of us. I mean, sometimes we feel like, oh wow, that was such a good month, you know? And then like, we feel like the next month we do the exact same thing or similar things and just like, it's terrible. And then it just makes me question everything I know about like, human psychology or like patterns on YouTube. And I'm like, I just don't understand what people want to click on, you know, just like the things we think will do so great. Don't the things we aren't expecting do great, which is like discouraging at times, but also just like kind of fun. You're just like, you're always rolling the dice. Anytime you upload a YouTube video, there's just, there's no telling what'll pick up when it'll pick up. It could be months later. Um, but I mean, we've definitely found some patterns that work. Obviously we do world record Wednesdays. That's been going on for, um, you know, 16 months now. Um, which is really, you know, something that people can look forward to and can expect. And we have kind of a, a, a typical format that a World Record Wednesday looks like, which is fun. Uh, and as of more recently, we've found um, 
that just having the word trick shot in our title is pretty much bound to do better. Casual plug for Colin and Samir's latest YouTube video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's really interesting. We, I, I think we reference it in the we video. Yeah, yeah, we reference it in the video where we, we look at your channel and pick out all the videos that say trick shot. Um, and they have the highest viewership. Yeah. And, and, and that's fascinating. It is um, pretty crazy. And so, so now it's like... We don't want to be pigeonholed into just doing that, but we do love trick shots and people love trick shots. So maybe we just give the people what they want. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because the audience kind of knows best, but then you also have to respect and honor what Jake said about making content that you authentically sure. want to make. Sure. It's, it's a total balance on YouTube. But I have a question. What classifies as a trick shot? Like, how, how do you define that? Because I've seen, I mean, everything is like, everything that's cool that I don't know, that's like hard to do is a trick shot, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's funny, like, it's definitely, cha- and, and especially in my world, like, not to take any, well, I guess I can take all the credit for it, but, like, juggling trick shots. Like, in the juggling world, like, people are throwing around the word trick shot very willy-nilly now, and wow. I feel like, uh, you know, taking a ball and throwing it into a juggler's pattern is now a trick shot in the juggling world, mm. and it, it wasn't a year and a half ago. Uh, and so I guess that's people are associating anything that I do as a trick shot. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, that was a trick shot I thought we would try and accomplish oh, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, but, well, what could we do? I mean, I maybe just throw them the ball and he yeah. could keep going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it does like it is throwing something into something, I yeah. think is the biggest, yeah. the most broad term. And so you're throwing it into a juggling pattern. So yeah, I guess it is a trick shot. My definition is if just like if it makes you want to scream after you've accomplished it, it's probably a trick shot. Mm, like if you good. can't help but like involuntarily scream because of like what you just accomplished. Like, yeah, you probably did a trick shot or injured yourself. Uh, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why trick shots do so well. Cause like it either makes you scream of joy or yeah, maybe scream of like injury. <laughs> yeah. And, and you guys do something really unique with your trick shots. Not a lot of channels do, which is actually show the process of making the trick shot. You know, we we've made videos with, with both dude perfect and legendary shots before. Um, and so just watching the process, like it, it takes skill and talent and sometimes time to make a challenging trick shot. So what, what was that decision making for you guys? Or is that something you thought about? I actually specifically remember having a conversation with Josh probably last summer. I mean, early on into when we were working together, just saying like, you know, if we want to, you know, continue being in the trick shot industry, you know, there's, there's no chance we can compete with dude perfect. So we're going to have to make something different than what they do. Uh, and if you're out there and kind of unfamiliar with their, you know, brand, you know, they have a six minute video that's just the most epic, uh, montage of trick shots all around like a specific theme, you know, boomerang trick shots, lacrosse trick shots, whatever. And so kind of our little niche in the trick shot genre is more just like somewhat vlog style, somewhat take you along the journey. All right, we've been here two hours now. We haven't made this yet, but you know, we're going to do this now. We're going to run to McDonald's and come back. That should help things, you know, uh, and just make it more lighthearted, more like, Hey, pull back the curtain. Here's what it's really like. And then they still get the payoff of seeing us succeed uh, throughout the video. Yeah, and I, I kind of learned it partway through. And like one thing we also learned was like we were having more success on longer videos. And like what's, what's, a, what's an easy way to make a video longer? Huh, just show all of our fails. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I even recognized it on World Record Wednesdays kind of early on. It's like I, at first I wanted this just like super polished. Here's the, here's the first attempt and the, that's it. And then you know, that was how... It, how it was all the videos were it was just it was just showing the success and i think people want to things to be genuine they want to see the struggle they want to see uh the behind the scenes on youtube that's kind of what what most of youtube is and i was i think you know i was basing all of it off basically off of dude perfect but we had we had to carve our own way and and figure out what what made sense and so yeah now we we time lapse a lot or we'll be talking along you know talking to the cam- camera as we do it we'll we'll express our frustration or how, you know how we're we're feeling so close or feeling discouraged or whatever and it's, it's been working well. And, and how much of your experience working at a social media company plays into what you do today and like how you analyze and, and I guess think about your videos? Yeah, it definitely helped at the beginning. I, I, I tell people that a lot. Like when I first started uh, on Instagram, it was like right when videos had launched and I'd, I'd been working for a company that only was posting content for brands that people didn't really want to see on their, on their feed. You know, so it was, it was Britain. So we kind of told ourselves like, how can we make stuff that's so good that people have to engage with it, you know, even though it's an ad, even though it's for a brand, like what can we do to make it good? And so that kind of taught me just like the value of posting content. Cause all these, 
you know, you go to any social media conferences for brands, like, well, content is king, and you just got to post a lot, and, uh, and like, it, but it still has to be good. You can't just post it and like wipe your hands and be done. Like, it has to be good. And so, I was taking my Instagram very seriously from from that point, and um, I, I try to, you know, I try to put as much hard work and and have a, you know, a, now we call it like a polished video, but and that doesn't doesn't mean it's all perfect. But you know, we we try to only put out the best stuff we can. I think a lot of times as creators, we're always looking like video to video, like Jake was talking about. You put it out, and you're like, oh, that one didn't do as well as I thought. You put another one out, it does better than you, you think. And so you're kind of tracking yourself from video to video. But you know, you guys are obviously in this as like a business. What does it look like bigger picture for you guys? Uh, where are you trying to go? What's the type of content you want to be creating? I think I just want to clickbait the Dickens out of the next generation and just plug my merch constantly. That's what I want to make a living that way. Yeah. I think it'd be (laughs) sick. Um, and if that doesn't work out, um, then I would say, uh, I mean, we're always kind of thinking about like, how can we better capitalize on kind of the, the following we have? How can we move them? Even like we were kind of talking about before we started recording, like the podcast realm is so interesting. Like, what does that mean? Like, would people want to listen to me for an hour? I don't know. It's like, probably not. But, you know, there's like, there's so many avenues. <laughs> like, in 2018, living in America, there's so many opportunities out there. And it's easy to get caught up in. From a business aspect, um, you know, I actually listened to uh, uh, something just a couple days ago about this guy who makes a lot of money on YouTube and only has, well, you know, not that many subscribers because he kind of has a new... Um, business model. Instead of going to AdSense model or the brand deal model, what he does is he sells his own brand. He sells eBooks at the end of every one of his videos, and he has a one percent conversion rate um, on that. And so he makes a lot of money just selling his own content that he's put out um, for people to buy. And uh, that's allowed him to get to a point where he can, when a brand comes to him and says, like, "Hey, we want to offer you this," he says, "If you can't offer me a three hundred dollar CPM." then it's not worth it for me because I'm already selling a $30 ebook at the end of my videos every time and 1% of those people are watching them. So um, all that to say, who knows? Who knows what the business side of what we do looks like in the future, but there's so many opportunities. Outside of the business side of it, like what are you guys trying to do creatively? What makes you the happiest, like the types of content and the reactions that you get? Oh, good question. Um, one thing that we've been doing for two or three months now is, um, on, in addition to our World Record Wednesday series, the first Wednesday of every month, uh, we call it Off the Record. And instead of trying to break or set these crazy Guinness World Records, instead we kind of come up with our own that we will set uh, only attempting our first try. You know, a very uh, achievable world record, something that we always try to focus on is like things people would already have in their house. So we involve a fork or a balloon or a pencil or something like that. Um, and then what we do is we challenge all of our viewers, our subscribers, to break these world records over the next month. And then by the next month's off the record video, we'll show some of the best ones. We'll give away prizes. Uh, we'll announce who beat our records. Uh, and that's really cool to see. Uh, last month, we got over 100 different videos submitted to us. And it's like, you know, it's not, we're not just giving out content for people to consume, but now mm-hmm. they're interacting with it and sending it back. And it's a, it's a channel of, of two way, uh, you know, communication. It's no weekend film fest, but it's pretty good. <laughs> I appreciate it. Maybe we can collaborate one time. Actually, we totally we actually should collaborate and have our weekend film fest community try and break some world records. Oh, that's what's there awesome. you go. Yeah. Right. Maybe we could break a world record for most amount of people that try and break a world record yeah. at one time. Can you give us an example of some of the records that you guys have broken on World Record Wednesday? Sure. Um, Let's see. Well, I'll start with one of our most frustrating ones was a record we didn't think would give us too much trouble. We, we, <laughs> we've been doing it for a while, so we try to have some sort of categories or themes to our episodes, and you know, just, just shows how, how long we've been going. We had a feat episode, and so it was all world records <laughs> involving your feet in some way or another. <laughs> and so uh, this was a record I found, and it was most flip-flops flicked into a Target. <laughs> so we went to Walmart, bought 30 pairs of you know, dollar flip-flops, set up our net, got 15 feet away for the record guidelines, and it was impossible. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, so part of the problem was we got, like, the cheap ones. I think if we had had heavier, nicer flip-flops, yeah, you, you can have be a little bit more accurate. on the flip-flops. Yeah, rookie, yeah, rookie mistake. I, I tried this one in 08. And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Jake, how long were we going at that? Uh, I believe two and a half hours. Yeah. Wow. 
So like, of and, and like the end thing, we finally got it, but it's like it's not that cool. <laughs> some of the some of the trick shots or other world records, like we've done, are like way cooler, like much better payoff. But um, yeah, that one that one was one. Um, I guess we could talk about one of our fails was. Um, a few more. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's see. Um, well, give some legitimacy to what we do. Yeah, sure. Uh, we have the Guinness World Record for most apples sliced while juggling knives. Oh God! Uh, and terrifying. so that's one of our official Guinness World Records. Um, I've got uh, several juggling ones. Most samurai swords juggled, longest duration juggle five basketballs. Um, we have done most Cheerios stuck stuck to your face while covered in honey. Um, longest duration to keep three balloons in was the only air. One of you covered in honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just I was the Cheerio thrower, and Jake was the target. Um, yeah, that's the only one where one of us is covered in honey. But uh, <laughs> there's still some other cool ones. I mean, pretty much. I mean, there's so many. I mean, you you, you need to scour the the database. And I you mean, you guys have been doing anything. this for sixteen. Yeah, months. something 16, 17 months, and so we've That's done a lot uh, of records. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. caught lemons blindfolded, I've caught tennis balls blindfolded. You know, and those were very different episodes and whatnot. So there's a lot of stuff we've done. Wow. Um, what Josh was going to mention, kind of the the biggest fail we've had. We got to we had this incredible opportunity to go on the Today Show to uh, try and break a Guinness World Record live. Um, it was when Guinness Book of World Records was coming out with their books. They were doing a big launch, and that could bought out the space on the Today Show, and so. Uh, thought enough of us to invite us up. I'd never been to New York City before. First time ever going, you know, was to be on the Today Show. So excited, you know, incredible opportunity. But the record that they picked out for us uh, was not a juggling record, which was a little bit of a bummer for Josh, I think. Uh, but it meant I got to be involved, which is exciting, since I'm not the juggler. And it was most marshmallows thrown into someone's mouth in 30 seconds. Um, no, in 60 seconds, wasn't it? 60 seconds. Um, however, it's a pretty good record, and that's not something you're just born good at as it turns out. Um, and so, I mean, we practiced, like we trained, like we knew we had three weeks to train for it. How many marshmallows did you eat? Uh, the, the record was 38, okay. I believe. Um, and so, yeah, it's basically that the, the format is just throw, catch and spit. Um, mm. you know, so you, you know, you don't end up with 38 okay. marshmallows in your mouth. Um, but so yeah, in training, we're just like starting to get a little nervous because like we'll break the record maybe a third of the time, but that's not consistent enough. And when we got on the Today Show, they said we get you get one try, oh, one man. try live, do it or you know. But that's great because you're one take Jake. Luckily, I am one take Jake <laughs> most of the time. Mainly when I'm in the uh, Central Time Zone is when I'm one take Jake. And you see, I was Eastern, super jet lagged, uh, having to go a ha- an hour ahead. And uh, anyway. Yeah, Prinovis is going. We did not get it. Didn't even really get that close, I would, I would say. Live. Uh, live. On Guinness TV. World Record. We were the only people that week to not break a Guinness World Record live when they had a monster. That's kind of cool. Yeah, not a lot of people can say that. Um, that might be a record. Yeah, only people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but we were like, you know what? Hey, we're disciplined, determined guys. We're not going to give up. So the, the next week, we had this kind of live show. Uh, Josh was doing this juggling festival thing. And so we're like, hey, grand finale for the show. You know, who wants to see more juggling? Let's break a world record in front of all these people. So we're going to try for the marshmallow record again. Probably attempted it five or six times there. No success. Still didn't get it. It was like, wow, well, this is maybe I might need to like go into witness protection or something. This is getting embarrassing. Um, and ultimately, for everyone out there who wants to break the record, I would say big uh, tip, switch from underhand to overhand. That's huge, um, huge for the program. And uh, proud to say we shattered the record. First try. Uh, have it now for uh, ourselves in a gym. Yeah, for no one. Did you, uh, did you film it? Yeah, we did film it. Okay, so not for no one. How many people watched the video? <laughs> yeah. well, it was just a sin. It was just a sin to Guinness World Records. Oh, so, oh, so okay. we we once we got home, we with our tails between our legs, we just filmed it uh, and sent it in. And now we do have the official plaque that says we are the best in the world at catching marshmallows in our mouth. So, congratulations! Thank you so much. You know, My mom's proud. Hard work. Just keep trying. Th- that's an awesome story, though. I mean, talk about. What was the immediate feeling after the Today Show? Like, what, 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 what was the conversation? What was the feeling? Because you guys then attempted it two more times before you got it. Yeah. And, and you did a live performance where you also didn't get it. So let's just talk a little bit about dealing with... It was just, it was just so frustrating. Like, it was like, just a lot of regret, too. Like, in the, in, like the, we basically had sent a list of records we could have done. And like, that was one I probably just shouldn't put on there. Like, I probably... like nine records and and that was the one they went with and it was probably the one i felt the least good at but i'd already broken it they do like these facebook live streams where i did that one but the, the adjudicator wasn't there and so i had i'd done that previously so I was like yeah we can if we train for it we can do that and 
wasn't really thinking and I figured I just kind of thought they were going to go with a juggling record and that that's kind of what I thought and like the the Apple one was another one we were excited about that would have been so easy and they went with marshmallows for whatever reason mm-hmm. and so that was the first thing I was like so much regret I was just like why did why did I accept it because I bet I could have talked him out of it and talked him into something else and then it was just like yeah it was just yeah but even I mean even the night before I think we were both kind of like Oh no! Like I, I remember, it was <laughs> like it was like three in the morning. We're in the hotel gym, and we were just like, "We're not doing very good." Like, oh, <laughs> so what's wrong? And so, yeah, I mean, it was just it was a, a learning experience for sure. It's probably an interesting thing in the hotel gym to walk into if someone's trying to work out. <laughs> yeah, there were the the cleaning people were in there at one point. So. Get out! We're trying to practice. Big day tomorrow, right? We haven't broken the record in two hours. Get out of here! I need to eat thirty-eight more of these at least. Also, we only had like two bags of marshmallows, so we were picking up. I was spitting them out, picking them off off the ground, moist. Jake was throwing them. Yeah, it was it was quite a couple days. You guys wow. have come a long way. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome that you guys still or that you guys have that record. That's great. So yes, if anyone out there is listening and wants to break that record, it's thirty-eight. Uh, Forty-two. Forty-two. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, that was, oh, so you guys thirty-eight was the previous record. Got it. Yeah. You guys broke the thirty-eight. I was going to ask you then, um, quick question about that. Did, did Guinness reach out to you? You guys have a relationship with Guinness, or, or how did you end up on the Today Show? Was that another... Yeah, that was through Guinness World Records. Okay, got it. Um, and so they're a part of, like, World Record Wednesday, you guys send them the videos? No, not that, at all. Not, well, we, okay. um, I've got 12 official Guinness World Records, but those are all from, like, a, a few different things that I've done with them. Got it. Because uh, to have them just, like, approve something um, takes about a year. <laughs> like, when it's all said and done, like... You have to apply for a record. They get back to you in like 16 to 20-something weeks, and then you get the rules from them. Then you have to go film it, and then it's another 16 to 20-something weeks. Wow. And so it's a very long process for you yeah. to get them um, approved. And so for the most part, we just care about making good videos, making content. It's, it's the concept, and it's the idea of world record. Right. And every once in a while, we get a comment. It's like, oh, this isn't official because the person in the vest isn't. I was like, okay. But sure, yeah. you know, we, don't, we don't really care that much. And, and we, we love Guinness World Records, and there is something weird about like having someone of that status like approve you know say that you are the best in the world at something but also we, we kind of joke sometimes like why why do they get to do it like why can't we what can should we just start jake and josh book of world records and and start giving out plaques and absolutely yeah 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 i mean do you guys uh, want a record well yes. Yes, yes uh absolutely and for us that's where the idea of weekend film fest came sure is we you know we were like ah, we've always wanted to be in a film festival and we we're like well couldn't we just make our own yeah, yeah. so yeah, I think that's like the internet is so much the land of just make it. Like if it doesn't exist or you want it to exist, just create it. Yeah. Totally. Um, so Josh, I have a question for you on, on from the business perspective of, of the channel and, and just of, of your brand. Um, just tell us a little bit about Josh's juggling warehouse. It's sure. integrated into the, the videos at times and like it's something that it operates almost as like a retailer, right? For, for juggling. Yeah products and supplies sure yeah i mean it was just something where i had achieved a good amount of success on social media and i wasn't selling anything and i was like this is probably a missed opportunity and like juggling stuff is something that people ask me about on a very regular basis and so i finally got set up and uh to like i'll just kind of unveil the curtain like there's just a company that is a already established juggling yo-yo skill toy company called yo-yo sam and i've been i've had a relationship with them for a long time like when i was in college i made like tutorials for their youtube video before i had any you know any uh dreams of becoming social media famous thing i was doing videos just like for their youtube channel and basically they like made me a, a website and they handle distribution all that stuff i just push push the website my my smiles on the on the front page and that's kind of it um, the one thing we la- we did launch was like Josh Horton juggling balls, which was blown away by the response. I think we've sold like four thousand Josh Horton juggling balls, wow. which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it's been going well. Awesome, yeah. And so, like, when you guys look at, you know, I guess a couple other things. I'm looking at at Jake's whistle sports shirt. Another thing that you have done is also operated as like talent and a personality in in the Facebook watch show, um, next trick shot superstar with whistle sports. Yes, so- that was super exciting. And uh, Chad, Chad Ochocinco was the host. I watched your episode, so yeah, um, and your episodes. Uh, so tell us about that that process too of like being a I guess talent for another network or another show. Sure, uh, the first one I did was the very first project I did with Whistle Sports was um, uh, Record Smashers, which mm. also yeah. may you may see the connection between right. something else I started pursuing on YouTube. Uh, so that was for Go Ninety, mm-hmm. and so Whistle Sports hired me for. Uh, that series where there's there's three 
kind of three co-stars and every episode we broke a world record. So um, that kind of is where I got my itch and got, I got addicted to world records. And so that was, that was a really fun one. And that was kind of like pretty soon after I'd quit my full-time marketing job. And then all of a sudden I was like basically a star on a TV show. And I was like, holy cow, this is awesome. Uh, so that was super fun. And then the next one we've done was, was more recently was the next trick shot superstar. And it was something I'd kind of heard mumblings about for a long time whistle sports and then it finally came into play and i was super excited about it and i uh, was ready to compete and then uh jake you were kind of an understudy and you know they, they, they were having some last minute casting and I, I tried getting him on uh when i as soon as i kind of heard it was official and they were like oh well maybe i don't know and then then it came through and both of us got to got to be on the show yeah, we did. It was the freaking best. I have never had so much fun in my life. That you just show up, crack a few jokes, play a few games, go back to the hotel. Someone else edits it for you. It was just, it was awesome. And I still like am blown away that they asked me to do it. Like, I mean, you said you saw the show. I mean, everyone on here is pretty much a professional. At what they do, you know, there's a professional juggler. There's an X Games athlete. There's a um, there was a Harlem Globetrotter. There is, you know, just like top tier people in their field. And then. I, I was just You're there. A professional YouTuber. I'm just saying, I'm I'm a guy. I, hello, <laughs> I dressed myself this morning. I came here, uh, and uh, yeah, I know it's funny on the thing. So like, mine was the the last episode of to come out where they um, where they featured like three athletes at a time. And so I'd been watching the series, and every time people would come up on the screen, it would say their specialty. And so like Josh's episode, you know, specialty juggling, specialty, you know, freestyle soccer, whatever for these other people. And I was like, what are they going to put for me? Like, you know, they didn't ask me anything. Like, I what are they going to put? And I, I could not wait. I was so excited. And uh, I kid you not, no one talked to me about this. I was, and I, but I absolutely loved it. They put specialty fast food for me. That's what they put on the show. Wow. I was up against, it was specialty was gymnastics, specialty was basketball, and then specialty, or no, specialty was football. And then for me, it was fast food. What is that even supposed to say about you? Well, I, at first I was like, this is hilarious. Like they, uh, they, just nothing. This is amazing. <laughs> um, but I mean, on the show, a couple, ep- or a couple like interviews I did that episode, I talked about like how I can't even believe I'm here, you know, like all, like, if you're looking at me like this is filled with just Chick-fil-A or something like that, you know. So I made a couple references to like loving fast food and I guess like wow. when it came down there to it, they, that's what they decided my specialty was. And to be clear, Jake eats fast food three meals a day, seven days a week. Oh, so it is your specialty. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. very, very special oh, at fast food. It makes total sense. I, I would dare anyone to be more special at fast food yeah, than yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys ever go to Don's? You guys know about Don's? No I had never heard of that. Really? I, I'm sure there's some in LA. They have like just like burgers and like good shakes and stuff. It definitely sounds like something a specialist only would. They know. have like uh, like golden arches and stuff like that. Do you guys know? Okay, got it. Uh, okay. Oh, McDonald. Oh yeah, some people call McDonald's. But yeah, Don's. Yeah. Right. Don's is like one of my favorite like fast okay. food places. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have good stuff. You guys should check them out. Wow. Okay. You're in LA. Yeah. Will know what Don's yeah. is. <laughs> you're at. Uh, you're in LA right now. We don't have those here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's too bad. Well, yeah, we don't have those flight here. leaves tomorrow. <laughs> so that that's something that's really interesting for for YouTubers. Like, I mean, you look at Netflix right now, like Jimmy Tatro, who's a YouTuber. Oh, I love you know, him. American Vandal yes. on Netflix. So it, it's really interesting that you know you guys are cast on another you know social platform on Facebook for a show, but the opportunity as you continue to build your brand, you know, obviously is, is there, there's opportunities to be on other programs. And, and is that something that you would be interested in? Or is that something you guys talk about or, or look at? Like, could we be personalities on another network or, or something like that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. We would both really, really love that. Um, and it's funny. Do you think we can mention the conversation we just had like two hours ago? Yeah. We're well, specifics, yeah. but we just got off the phone with someone a couple hours ago. Um, uh, a multi-channel network was uh, approached us, and one of their main pitches to us was that you know they have these connections with the Discovery Channel or with you know yada 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 about you know us being cast as host or as talent for something like that, and that's mm-hmm. definitely attractive to us because it's amazing. It's it's so fun um, to get to to entertain people in that format. Um, all right, so so tell us where we can check out the videos, um, where we can check you guys out on Instagram, everything like that. Wow, what a, what a stage right now. Thanks Plug for your this. Merch. Um, yeah. Uh, so Jake and Josh is the name of our YouTube channel. Uh, everywhere on social media, I am Triplet Jake. And I'm Juggling Josh. And there you go. Yeah. So make sure to check these guys out. Check out their world record Wednesdays. They're awesome. Their videos um, are amazing, really engaging, and they pull off some incredible stunts. We are about to go film a video, and that is it for this episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. So that's it for our interview with Jake and Josh. A few key takeaways from this episode. Number one, send the email. 
What a great message from these guys. When you're an online creator, you have to hustle and find the opportunities that you want. And cold outreach is a theme across the successful creators that we've interviewed and talked to. It's also the way that we met and a lot of the opportunities we've got is just from sending an email and starting a conversation. Another key takeaway from talking to Jake and Josh, as you're pursuing your career as a creative, make sure to make the work that you authentically want to create. And if you do that, you'll find the audience for it. And lastly, find a format that makes sense for you. Test and experiment different kinds of content and pay attention to how the audience reacts to find the right format for you. So as always with our podcast, you can tweet at us at Colin and Samir if you have any feedback or even future guests that you think we should have on the show. You can find the Colin and Samir podcast on iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn, and Stitcher, soon to be on Spotify, if not already, depending on when you're listening to this. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your pods and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Colin and Samir. All right, that's it.